together we can create our new digital leader. Connection, engagement, confidence. Do we feel we are in a psychologically safe place? Language shouldn't be able to stop you from career progression. We are changing the, the future landscape of business, of leadership. Hello, and welcome to the Changemaker Conversations, brought to you by HealthTF Corporate Education. My name is Dr. Milena Kupez, and in this series, we aim to bring you insights and stories from leaders and leadership developers who create change and inspire others to do the same. Today, I have the pleasure to speak with changemaker Teresa Cook. Teresa is Group Head of Management and Leadership Development for Sky, a division of Comcast and the UK's largest paid TV broadcaster. The reason why I'm so excited to speak with Teresa is that she draws all her knowledge and experience from over 20 years in the learning and development field across global organizations such as ADT, PwC, Amazon, and even TikTok. I love that her expertise is so well-rounded and includes leadership development, high potential development, talent management, change management, and even working with senior leaders on creating high-performing teams. But without further ado, Teresa, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. Yes, having all of those different experiences has really helped not only understanding business, but also understanding what are the challenges that leaders are facing. In my role and responsibility, it's looking after manager and leader development. But a very important thing that I find is I can't go and tell managers and leaders, this is best practice and this is how you do things, unless you yourself are busy practicing it and implementing it and being the role model. So when we talk to to leaders about how do you do the culture within your organization, how do you produce high-performing teams, I need to be able to go back to my team leaders and go to those leaders and say, hey, I'm telling you how to do this and let me show you how it actually works in practice with my teams. So having that experience across talent, across change and across uh, learning and development and leadership development has really helped me not only to help leaders within my business, but a very important part as well is how have I enabled my own teams that I'm leading to really grow, develop and be role models? Because that's what we're all looking at. And one of the interesting things um, I have found is we often just focus and think in silos. Okay, we've got managers that we need to train, and this is the training X, Y, and Z, and skills that we need. And we've got leaders that we need to train, and these are the skills. But being in different roles and different parts of the HR organization has given me a much wider view in terms of, I can't just do one thing on its own. I've got to always look at the ecosystem. And one of the things, particularly when I was working at Amazon, is really looking at how do I create the ecosystem that actually supports the leaders and managers long term? Not just a quick fix, oh, that course was really nice and I might implement one thing that they've taught me. But how do we actually go about creating this ecosystem? And that was super important, particularly in organizations like Amazon, like TikTok, and now it's Sky is I've got to try and help these leaders lead at the speed of change. And in order to do that, 
I actually have to look at the entire ecosystem and what we want to create. So I can't just go and do training with leaders on agile thinking and quicker decision making and those kind of things. I've got to look at what is the system that supports it. And so one of the things that I always like to look at is the culture of that particular organization or that particular function within that area. How is the culture in terms of how they do things and see the world? How is that actually impacting, let's say, for example, the ability to lead in an agile way? If it's very hierarchical and you've got to go into 20 different meetings to get 20 different signatures to sign up for one small little thing, got to change the culture because else it's not going to support an agile way of doing things. So we've really got to think about that. I also look a little bit further and work with the talent teams and also even the reward teams and say, well, you know, how are we structuring uh, who we get into the business in terms of talent and how are we structuring the reward systems to keep these people here? So, for example, if we look at agile or we look at innovation, if I don't have the right reward system that rewards innovation, whether that innovation is small or whether it is big, whether that innovation um, is super successful or it's a bit of a failure, but we've got some great learnings for it. How are we building that into the reward and recognition or even end of year cycle? Because if I've got a place that does not reward and recognize people when they innovate, People are just going to stop innovating. They're just going to do the stuff that actually gets them the, the pat on the back at the end of the day. And then, of course, the leaders, do they actually understand how they are leading in terms of the everyday behaviors that, that try and help create this, this particular culture and ecosystem? So when I look at management and leadership development, we've got to look at the entire system in order for it to have long-term sustainability and also, what is those mechanisms that actually sustain it and make it work? Or else it's, oh, that was great. But then guess what? Next year, we've got exactly the same learning needs happen because nothing has actually changed long term. And from a from a finance and a cost perspective and a time and an energy perspective and impact, that just actually doesn't make sense. Wow. I love this approach. And that is why I was so excited to speak uh, with you today. I really appreciate how you started by talking about how it's all that experience that you've had across firms that really fed into this wider view and how we need to have a holistic approach. But essentially what you're saying, it sounds like if you want to create real change, there needs to be a foundation there to begin with. And we need to overinvest in that foundation to really create change that sticks, real change. So, wow, you gave me such a good view of all the different facets that fit into it, but now you're begging the question of how do you do it? How do you yeah. create that ecosystem? Absolutely. So it depends on where, you know, you always go to where the organization is. So one of the things that I always try and do, so this is really starting at that top piece, is let's say, for example, I work with the executive recruitment, talent acquisition, and we get a new senior leader that comes on board. One of the things that we do is obviously there's an onboarding process, but I tend to then work with that leader and the HR director to do a new leader integration session. And that's also part of that change. And what we do there is we look at um, 
the leader spends about five to six weeks in the business. And then we do a survey with that team saying, you know, for the team, what did they see uh, this leader does really well? What do you need more from this particular leader? What is the big important things that are going to hit us in the next six to 12 months that this leader needs to know about? We also say, what is parts of this team that we really, really want to keep and is really important for us and precious for us to keep? What is these things that we need to stop, start and continue? And that starts that culture change and that leadership change and that leadership trickling down. So we usually start with a session like that where we interview this new leader, um, we go through the, the survey items, what are the main things that have come out? We get that leader to reflect and say, hey, uh, what, what do we want to do? How do we want to work and go forward? So we do that sort of as a first session. And then we say to them, the next thing which most um, leaders do, sometimes they ask us to come and help, sometimes they do it on themselves, they do a purpose and a vision and a mission statement for that particular team. But then we take it one sort of step a little bit further, is we then turn around and say, well, <clears throat> you've now spent four or five months together with each other, maybe we need to do a little bit of a, a team bonding. And we can use either Insight, Strengths Finders, or one of those as a way to help people understand who they are, who the team member is. But then we take it one step further and helping them to understand that we work in this ecosystem and we work with these people. So how do we work together in terms of decision making? Who are the people that I can call on who maybe have a very specific way of looking at the world that is different to mine and is very helpful? Who are the people that I need to call on at different parts of the project because they've got different strengths and different capabilities at that particular period in time? So what we do there is not only do you have that sort of warm, fuzzy, I get to know myself and get to know the other people, but then we get down to the practical things. So we put down, let's say, seven steps of the decision-making process and who do I need when? Who's thinking do I need when and at what stage? We also get super, super practical in terms of... Um, how do we work together? And that starts us off with the next piece of work that we do, which is sort of that team ways of working team charter. So we've understood who our leader is. The leader's understood what's important to us. We've done a little bit of a team bonding, getting to know you session. And now it's down to how do we actually get stuff done? And there, for example, what we do is we say, for example, collaboration. We need to work together and we need to collaborate. And I usually use a bit of a design thinking process there to help them understand sort of that ecosystem that we need to create. So I start off with saying, so, you know, we talk about this word collaboration, fabulous, love it. What does it actually mean? What is the mindset that you need? So I get them to think about the mindset. And then I say to them, okay, so if I walked into your team, how would I almost touch, taste, see, feel that collaboration is actually happening? Tell me what are the behaviors that I would be able to witness coming into your team to know that collaboration is happening. And then we spend a chunk of time looking at what I call mechanism systems or processes to really embed collaboration. Because if you've just got this mindset and this behaviors, those are good intentions. Good intentions don't change leader behavior. So what we then do is we say, let's get practical. What does collaboration look like in this team? So when we are having a team meeting, 
how do we do collaboration in that team meeting? Maybe it means that we put in what we call sort of thinking triads. So that might be uh, three, three team leaders, the one person is responsible for the project, two other people are from completely different areas in that team, not working on the project, but their job is to help me think. So they become my thinking partners. So in a team meeting when Teresa is presenting something, that leader or the, the, the um, chief officer will turn around and say, well, Teresa, that's great. Who are your thinking partners who helped you on this? So not delivering the project, but thinking, aha. Now that becomes a mechanism that we can use in terms of doing collaboration. Another thing might be that we never ever do projects on our own. Um, we always do projects as a team and that changes from time to time. That's a that's a quite a, a normal mechanism that you can put into place. Another mechanism might be, for example, um, joint projects that are outside of their scope of work. So what does collaboration look like in one team? And this was helping them understand the ecosystem of collaboration. It was simply about making their work visible. Because what would happen is um, we had a, a very senior leader. He had 15 um, directors underneath them. But those 15 directors would come together sort of once a month, quickly tell them what they were doing, and then they would walk off. But nobody actually knew exactly what everyone was doing. So we said, well, how do you make your work visible? Okay, so we're going to have just a, a general Kanban board that gets updated um, all the time. Okay, let's go and do that, and we can see what is the work and also we're going to job shadow each other, et cetera. So what is the ecosystem that we need to create in order to show collaboration actually happens? So often we find that people just stop at the one piece. Oh, this is the behavior. But we don't spend enough time about those mechanisms and creating the ecosystem that leads to the results that you want. And so people sometimes turn around and say, but Teresa, is that leadership development? Absolutely. Because when I'm training those leaders and we're putting in these thought processes and mechanisms, guess what? Those leaders are going to change how they work with each other. They're going to change how they collaborate with each other. They're going to change how they um, how they share work and how they make their work visible, which means that they're learning a new way of connecting and leading and working as a team and collaborating which hopefully they will then go and pass down to their, their teams and use that same methodology going forward. So if I doing that and creating the right kind of ecosystem and the right kind of way of looking at things, guess what? It, it is part of that leader development. It just doesn't mean that we're sitting in a classroom, but we are definitely stretching their, their emotional intelligence, their social intelligence, the ability to collaborate, and the ability to work together. So it's it's helping them to understand that it's bigger than just, let me give you two things that you can do to collaborate, but really taking it um, a step further. So that's an example of, of looking at the ecosystem that supports that collaboration going forward as a team. And so that's a different way of doing leader development rather than just sitting in a, in a classroom, but it's got great benefits from a longer term perspective as well. Thank you. And I agree with you. When we want to create real change, when we want to create change makers, that's when we really need to dig deeper. And I really appreciate what you're, what you, how you explain that you help 
your leaders really metabolize the synergies of the ecosystem that they're operating in, both in the context of their team members, of the goals, of decisions coming up, anything that really feeds into their day-to-day. And as as you were talking about that, uh, I kept thinking, that sounds like really in-depth work, work that will work, but we both know this takes longer time. And um, it's how do you feel people tend to respond to that approach? Do you get any pushback in terms of the time and the energy that might have to be invested in this sort of development? And if so, how do you go about overcoming that? A very simple thing. Um, one of my my leaders says to me, said to me, and in fact, my leader right now says to me, he says, "Go where the energy is." So if I have sort of senior leaders who are like, "No, my my team and everything is fine. We're okay," and off we go. That's absolutely fine. That's great. Come to us when you need us. Um, so we really go to where the energy is, and we people really want us to come and work with them and help and develop them. And I think what often happens there is those senior leaders start going, hey, guess what? This is what we're doing in our team. This has worked. Um, This is the the differences that we're starting to see. And then I tend to have more leaders coming to me and go, "Um, Teresa, you did some some work here with that team. Do you mind coming to help us in, in this particular team? So I definitely believe you need to go where the energy is because that's going to give you uh, huge amounts of impact and huge amounts of benefit. Um, In the meantime, we have our normal learning and development training that happens anyway. So if leaders want to go on that training, they're very welcome to do so. But this is really about helping to create the culture and the ecosystem that sustains it. So that that is always an important one. If, If people are not wanting to put the time and energy in, that's okay. Um, I'm here when they're ready, when they need something, myself and my team are are there to to help and assist. But one of the other things that we try and do is we say, try and put this kind of interventions in your normal flow of meetings. So often they would have, let's say, uh, major big team meetings once a month. And then we say, you know what, just take one of those once a quarter And instead of spending two hours on a work update, find another way to do that update. And let's take two hours to work together as a team on a culture um, perspective as well. And that just helps when we try and do this in their normal flow of their teams and their team sessions so they don't have to create an additional one. We just then sort of become part of um, the, the connecting that they do on a quarterly basis but we just have a focus on the people side of things. That tends to be a much better way of getting things done. It is also going to where people really want our help and assistance. Occasionally, um, not necessarily in Skype, but occasionally in my other work, I have had other HR directors sort of tap me on the shoulder saying, there's a there's a problem, can you please come and help us, etc." But most of the time, it really is about new leaders coming in or when there's been significant change and moves and shifts come and help us be even more effective there's all this org change that has happened we might have new products new people coming in Uh, we might have had to have changed the organizational structure come and help us create these teams and the fascinating thing is every single one of these that i've done 
when the leaders are sitting in that room, they really value that opportunity to talk about things, about who we want to be as a team. How do we make decisions? How are we connecting with each other and supporting each other and being together and, and talking about who? how do we show up for ourselves, our team members, and for the business? I have found that every, almost every single one of those leaders who are on that session say, oh, I missed not having this. You know, everything is always business, business, business. And it just gives them a really good way to reconnect with who they want to be and how they want to show up as, as a leadership team and individual leaders. So it is fascinating. I always have, then we have people saying, okay, so when's the next one? Can we already book it into our calendar? And that to me is always also a sign of success and also a sign to say, we have to have these moments of connecting. And not just about business, but about who we are as leaders and who we want to be in the business as well. Thank you. I think this answers my question perfectly. Earlier, you said that intentions don't change leader behavior, but it does sound like you need there to be an intention in the first place, which I think is what you mean where you say go where the energy is. Yes. Uh, and that makes a lot of sense to me. What happens, uh, you, you spoke about leaders and the senior leaders. Does this approach work as well with new talent and other levels? We can all, what, one of the things that we do is we always look at, um, for example, where do people have the most impact? So if we have our, so let's say our brand new first time managers, we do teach them this, but we often do a little bit of theory upfront, a lot more theory upfront to help them understand why these kind of things are important. Why do you need it? Here's a piece of e-learning. Um, go and understand about psychological safety. Go and understand about trust. And then we work with them to say, well, how do you now put it into practice in your teams? So we approach it in a slightly different way because the understanding of the business and understanding potentially of who they are in terms of managers and managerial skills is not quite there yet. So we tend to be a little bit more focused on the, um, a little bit more on the theory and a little bit more, uh, I would say, prescriptive. We give them quite good toolboxes and toolkits to say, now go and practice this with your teams. I would love to be able to do it with all leaders, but we're pretty lean in terms of our actual team itself and delivering it. So we do find that as much as I would want to, we just don't miss, there's just not enough of us to do it um, at the lower levels. I understand. And it sounds that uh, when you do work with those leaders, you are creating a real change maker and then they will be able to have a direct impact on their team and so on because you've approached them within their ecosystem in the first place. Absolutely. One of the ways that um, I'm just reflecting and, and thinking back on, on some of the other things that we did and what we did with one with one of the organizations that I worked at, we had the senior leaders come to us and say, we've got, we really want to, to stand out in terms of this function, how we talk with our staff members, how we deal with them. Can you come and help design ways of working? And the approach that we took was we sent out a survey, just a pulse survey to find out 
how are our leaders uh, showing up to the team members? And then we also asked people in those surveys, you know, if they would be prepared to be part of a focus group and if they would be prepared to be part of a project group helping to design these ways of working. And that worked incredibly well. Um, we had some great input from the, the survey and some of it was pretty hard hitting. So we knew exactly which areas we needed to focus on. We then interviewed people in smaller focus groups to get a little bit more depth and detail. And then with those people who were interested in working on the project, we had sort of um, three main areas that we're looking at. The one was around collaboration. The other one was around uh, inclusion. And the third one was around communication. And so what we did was we said, these are the three focus areas that we're wanting to look at. Which of these project areas do you think you would really love? And so we had people from uh, somebody who literally this is their first job and three weeks on the job to somebody who'd been there a lot longer. And we had these project groups and we took them through that design thinking process where we said, you know, we've heard from the Pulse survey. This is what we're hearing in the focus groups. Let's look at the mindset and the behaviors that we want around inclusion. And then very importantly, we got them to go off and think about three practical mechanisms that they could put into practice that goes across this entire functional team. And it was a global functional team that we can put into practice. And then very importantly, we said to the leaders, this is what the project teams has said that we needed to do around inclusion. And one of the very, very simple things that they designed was in your meeting outlook, um, in your meeting invite, there was a, uh, and they went to the IT teams and they had it built into the system, was a, a little reminder of inclusive behaviors within a meeting. And so every single meeting, when you sent out a calendar invite, whether you liked it or not, that would show up as permanently as guide as to having an inclusive meeting. And we said, you know what, let's go off and test it. Let's test it for three or four weeks, get feedback from uh, staff as well as managers, how they liked that particular um, section in their calendar invite. Did it change any of the meetings? Did it lead to more interesting discussions? And it was just such a simple thing that the team, the people developed this particular mechanism. And what happened was they said, you know, it started stimulating discussions right up front. When before we even started a big team meeting, particularly if there was people that were virtual and somewhere in the office, it just stimulated us thinking about, oh, what can we do in this meeting to make sure that all the voices are heard? Those that were dialing in virtually, those that were in the room, how did we be inclusive for those people who often leave? How do we keep notes for these people? So what they found was it sparked really, really good discussions. Um, they also got some feedback that some things were helpful, some things weren't, went in to change it, and then it became the standard. And so that's where you sometimes when you, but that's looking at more of a culture shift rather than just that leadership development. And that was really great because it was also, it was the whole team, all the staff members came up with the thoughts and ideas. We put it into practice. We tested it. And so that was almost that citizen-led innovation and the citizen-led culture change 
rather than coming from the top down. So even though we, we don't always have an opportunity to do the huge culture things all the time, we have done that in in a particular function and that worked incredibly well. And then guess what? Once they taught how to do that, it was then very easy for them to replicate in a whole lot of different ways. So I think um, also part of my ecosystem is how do I create leaders as teachers? So each time I'm taking leaders through this and they can see how Teresa does it, or even my people partners who are on there, if they can see how am I doing it and they can go and replicate that with their teams, I think that's great. Um, that means that more of that work is being done without always having to rely on an external coming to do it. Sounds fantastic. And uh, the example that you gave about integrating within the meeting invite, the whole idea about inclusion, I bet you that lots of our listeners are going to want to copy that idea right away. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Just the simplest things uh, sometimes are the most effective. And like you said, integrated within the everyday, within the ecosystem, that's how the culture naturally evolves towards one that supports change. 100%, 100%. Well, Theresa, I can't thank you enough for all this amazing knowledge that you shared with us today and that I know is so applicable to so many other global organizations who follow our podcast. I'm very grateful for your wisdom. And um, I would like to end with one final question, a question that we love to ask all of our guests. And that is, what do you think is the one thing you know now that you would you wish you would have known 10 years ago? To use the phrase plot twist a lot more. Wow. <laughs> so when change happens, instead of going, oh my goodness, this is awful. And sometimes change is really good and sometimes um, things happen. I always just go, ooh, interesting plot twist. And that really helps me elevate any change that is happening in my life to going, actually, I'm the hero and the heroine of the story. This is just a plot twist. No journey is interesting without a plot twist happening. And how am I going to write my way out of this particular plot, plot twist and move forward? So I wish I'd known to use that and take change um, a little bit more lightly than I used to over 10 years ago. Now, um, I even have my teenage daughters, when things change, they go, oh, mom, interesting plot twist at school. This is what's happening now. Um, I even have some members of the HR team, whenever they walk past me, they go, Teresa, I've got a very interesting plot twist, and this is what happened. And it just changes people's mindset about change. It's going to happen. Change is inevitable. How am I framing it? This is a plot twist and I have the ability to write my way out of it. What great advice. It immediately sounds exciting, like a story that is about to unfold that's just going to get better. Uh, I absolutely love that. Thank you so much for sharing that. And uh, on that note, thank you so much for speaking with me today. I have learned so much from you. I know our listeners have as well. And in all honesty, I just can't wait for us to meet again and talk more about change. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Changemaker Conversations. Would you like to talk further about unlocking human potential and creating positive change, either one-to-one -one or on this very podcast? If so, please visit haltf.com 
www.ashleyfarrell.com/inspire. Until next time, goodbye.